Hello, and welcome to Sharing Our Journey, a podcast from Harrodsburg Baptist Church, where we're all about sharing our journey toward Jesus. Before we dive into our Bible question and answer session, we'd like to invite you to take that journey with us. To find out more, follow us on social media at HBC Harrodsburg or visit harrodsburgbaptist.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you very soon. Welcome to Sharing Our Journey, a podcast of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. This is our question and answer podcast where we take Bible questions from you and we try to give you thoughtful, educated answers. This week we are joined by Dr. Paul Gibson. Hello, Dr. Paul. Hello, everyone. And Mark Young. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Fine, Bo Cephas. Thank you. Bo, it's the Reverend Mark Young. No. The you, Reverend you, you Mark. Had it right. You had it right, Mark. Okay, just Mark. Yeah. How about right, the, ear, the irreverend Mark? There, that's yeah. not, that might okay, be better. better. That might be better. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I think we uh, we have some questions this week. This week we're we're looking at the um, the life of of Abraham and uh, and and Isaac and Jacob too, right? Is that true? That was all in in uh, this week's reading. Yes, sir. And. Um, so Jacob wrestled with the Lord. Yeah, he did. Uh, I I love that story. That's I can't wait. Story. I can't wait to talk about that story. We're not uh, talking about that today. Well, we might. <laughs> <laughs> two 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 out of three can overrule, right? <laughs> That's where two or more are gathered. That's what that is. That's but my interpretation. That's my interpretation. <laughs> it's a rope of three strands. Uh, but you know what? We are doing this in chronological order. So so we'll, we'll start with Abram. How about that? How about that? that? That sounds good. Before we even start with Abram, Bo, let's uh, early do a yeah. Let's just do a little little um, you know, review. Little, no, a little review. Okay. Um, upper story, lower story. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's there's been some confusion when we use those terms. How would you define the upper story and lower story, Paul? Great question. The upper story is God's story. And the lower story is how we fit into God's story. Mm-hmm. So the upper story basically is Genesis to Revelation, the mm-hmm. story that God has written to us, a perfect, infallible word that contains his redemption plan for humanity and for creation. That's the upper story, Genesis through Revelation. The lower story is how we fit into that upper story. So when we read uh, in Scripture about people like Abraham mm-hmm. and Sarah, we have a tendency to read their story and be disconnected from it as individuals. We see how the Lord used Abraham and Sarah, and we never really ask ourselves, could he use us the same way? So the lower story points out the way God uses specific characters and specific subplots in the larger story that he has written. But I also think the lower story is also asking ourselves, how are we characters in the story God is still writing? I could not have said it better myself. I mean, I could have, but I won't. Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, so that's what we're going to start with. And um, so I wanted to get that out of the way. We had some questions about that. But let's get right to Abram because chapter two in the story is it's very Abraham centric very much so uh, it's really really focused on Abraham and it's really focused on um, Abraham and Isaac mm-hmm. and what happened there so before we get to that particular uh, incident that we're going to talk about 
what are some things that weren't discussed in the story or, or didn't happen that, you know, that are in those chapters, I think it's like 10 through 37 or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. Uh, of Genesis that that you missed, that you wish was on there, that, you know, that you, you know, are fond of or whatever. Yeah. I, I think what was lacking, and again, with this being an abridged right. part of the, an abridged version of the Bible, not every story's in there. I think what's lacking is even more of the subplot, even more of the lower story that testifies to just how broken, messy, and sinful people are. Because we have a tendency to hold Abraham's family uh, high because of the way God used Abraham's mm-hmm. family, but Abraham made some boneheaded mistakes. Uh, Isaac made some boneheaded mistakes. Uh, Jacob made some boneheaded mistakes. And that that's what I think in this abridged version of Scripture, I think that's what we're missing is just the greater detail of how, yes, God used Abraham's family, but man, you know, uh, they were all knuckleheads. Well, and, and, and not only that, but the entire, uh, you know, the earth mm-hmm. at that time is filled with, you know, pagan religions mm-hmm. and all this, you know, rampant evil. Mm-hmm. You had the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the um, the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. uh, Tower of Babylon, which you had talked about the other day, and I shared mm-hmm. uh, what was shared with you. I thought that was good. But you got all that. So you, you don't, you, in my opinion, with chapter two, you really don't get a feel of how dark everything mm-hmm. really is. Yeah, and, and I think the different types of polytheistic religions, pagan religions that I heard you mention just a second ago, those actually are going to be a key part of uh, Abraham sacrif- or being willing to sacrificing mm-hmm. or being willing to sacrifice Isaac. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that plays a huge part in it. Um, tell me, tell, uh, tell everybody what you uh, were, what somebody had brought up to you about the Tower of Babel. Do you remember it? Yeah, uh, it's actually Terry Morrison, uh, pastor at uh, Harrisburg Community Church. He and I were talking over uh, over scripture one day on the phone, and and he brought up something that I thought was pretty pretty genius to me. Uh, he was talking about how what we see in Genesis chapter eleven, we see the Tower of Babel being uh, humanity wanting to build a tower to the Lord, all speaking the same language, and yet God God punished them mm. for for trying to be like him uh, in in an unholy way. So then you go over to Acts chapter 2, which is the Pentecost. And once again, we see um, a group of people wanting to get to the Lord. um, But instead, what happens is you see kind of the same scenario playing out with all these languages. But instead of the languages being there confusing people, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the languages are there and people are understanding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so in, in Genesis 11, you see this this just a scattering and this uh, just use of language to confuse people. And in Acts chapter 2, you see this bringing together. And although we have all these different languages through the power of the Holy Spirit, these languages, instead of promoting confusion, mm-hmm. actually promoted praise. Yeah. And, and that's all yeah. Terry Morrison. Good job, Terry. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. I, I like that. Yeah, I, it, it it is it, it's a fun, that's fun that's really fun that's that's where it's like man these things it just all comes full circle you yeah, know yeah and and I love that I I had um, an experience a little bit like that on a mission trip once I was in Ecuador you've been to the Tower of Babel and not Tower of Babel but 
Um, I I don't speak any Spanish at all. Okay. But I'm I'm in Ecuador for a week. It was a short term mission trip, and and we I was out with a, a group of like two or three other people, and we were going around knocking on doors, and and then we had um, someone who lived there who was Ecuadorian, and they were telling the gospel to the people mm-hmm. who ever lived in the house, and we were just, my job was just to pray, like that was my job, just to pray over the person sharing the gospel and over the people living in that home. Um, but we got to this one, this one home and, um, I'm praying and it just was completely evident that the Holy spirit was doing something Mm -hmm. like you could just feel it, you know, cut it with the knife, kind of feel it. Mm -hmm. And, um, suddenly as I'm praying, I kid you not, I began to understand what the Spanish-speaking person was saying, like what he, he was telling this lady about God. Yeah. And um, that gave my prayers even more direction because I knew, like, I just, I don't know, it was crazy. But mm. the Holy Spirit was just moving and it was kind of a Pentecost-type experience there in, in a way because yeah. he wasn't speaking English, but I could understand him in English. It's pretty cool. That's cool. awesome. That's awesome. Um, when um, back back to chapter two and the Abraham centric thing, mm-hmm. um, I, I'll give my opinion, and I'll let you go first. <laughs> you know what? Okay, so why do you think this is so? Chapter two is so Abraham centric because of the promise to um, because of the promise to Abraham. And that's kind of a redundant answer, but it's so true. Like I said in the sermon on Sunday, our faith in Jesus, our faith in scripture centers around the promise to Abraham. Right. Because we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to look in the gospels in, in Matthew chapter one and in Luke chapter one and Luke chapter two and think Jesus' story begins there. Right. Well, Jesus' story actually, it's 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 not correct to say it begins because he's been forever, mm-hmm. but Jesus' story on earth in flesh really begins in that Genesis 15, or not Genesis 15, Genesis three fifteen prophecy. And then the story continues when the Lord said to Abram and Sarah, the whole world's gonna be blessed through your family. That promise is the beginning of the fulfillment of Jesus coming uh, to earth. Mm-hmm. So it has to be Abraham-centric. It has to be Sarah-centric because of that promise. It, right. it was through that promise um, that was a continuation of the Genesis three fifteen prophecy. It was through that promise that the whole world was blessed through salvation through Christ. Yeah, and yeah. and, and uh, I'm going to use another word uh, besides pro- promise, uh, covenant. Mm-hmm. You know that it was yes. God's covenant. Very good. Yes, and and the cool thing about uh, God's covenant, and, and and I think when you talk about upper story and lower story, you know you see God's promise throughout the Bible. And now we see in the lower story how that promise is coming to be fulfilled mm-hmm. through the through the people that God chooses to use. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about covenants, here's what's really cool. Uh, the covenant in, in the Old Testament was a contract. Mm-hmm. It was a, it's just like me and you going and, and you know, signing contracts mm-hmm. and being done with it. And there's several different types of contracts uh, and covenants. There's the covenant where you and I both agree to something mm-hmm. and you're responsible for your end and I'm responsible for my end. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have this like unilateral uh, covenant mm-hmm. that one person makes and one person is completely responsible for. But if you get into Genesis 15 and you look at um, verse uh, 17, yeah, verse 17, 15 is, is when uh, God gave the covenant to Abraham. And uh, verse 17 says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. So what they would do is they would they would get an animal, cut it in half, throw one side on one, you know, throw throw the head over here and the tail over here and they'd pass between it. Mm-hmm. And if you pass between that, mm-hmm. say you and I pass between it, it's that's us saying if we don't keep our bargain, we're going to we'll end up like these this this cattle. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about this is only one passed through between the two pieces, mm-hmm. and that was God. Mm-hmm. This was a unilateral covenant. This is God's promise, mm-hmm. and it's going to be fulfilled regardless of how we, what we do. Absolutely. And, and that is really important when it comes to Abraham because people, I think Christians tend to look at Abraham and go, Abraham was faithful, so the covenant continued. Mm-hmm. Eh, the covenant was going to continue. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, faithfulness is is that's you know. It goes back to Sunday yeah. where scripture scripture in uh, Genesis fifteen six said, and Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah. God fulfilling His promise had nothing to do with Abraham's choice to believe or not to believe. Right. God was going to fulfill His promises regardless, but. We play a part, and Abraham obviously played a part through belief. I mean, it's through the it's through belief in God, through belief in His promise, through the ultimate promise of Jesus that is credited to us as righteousness. Yeah, exactly. And and you know because Abraham believed and because he was faithful, you know that's why he's in here. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't, there'd be somebody else in here. Yeah, uh, because it's, God's promise is going to be kept. Yeah, it makes it an unconditional covenant. And there's two things uh, that I think moving forward. There's, there's something that I think we need to know, just know, like because uh, this is going to come up again, uh-huh. is that um, what what is it that Abram in his dream sees pass between the pieces? He sees the smoking fire pot, right? Yeah. So so in, in Scripture, the glory of God, God is manifested. When he's manifest, his glory is manifested on earth, it, it comes in the, in the form of fire and smoke. Mm-hmm. That's what we see over and over again in Scripture. That's what we see here. So when you see fire and smoke, it almost always indicates that God's presence is there, that God right. is there. Um, that's very, very important for us to know, uh, especially as we go through the Old Testament moving forward in, the, in, uh, in our study. Um, also, uh, Hebrews 6 talks about this too it says it says when god made his promise to abraham since there was no one greater for him to swear by he swore by himself Mm. uh and that's what makes it unconditional he didn't say abram pass through the pieces with me he passed through the pieces by himself therefore it it doesn't matter what abram does tomorrow or the next day god is going to see it done because that he made that covenant with himself this is what i'm going to do Mm -hmm. Yeah, and looking forward, I think it's chapter six of the story, um, chapter five actually, a new commands and a new covenant. What's fascinating about the book of Deuteronomy is the book of Deuteronomy is set up like an ancient 
Near Eastern Treaty. Mm. Like the structure, the the language, um, and it's so fascinating that it's set up like a treaty because Deuteronomy is where a large part of the covenant between God and his people are made, different from the Abrahamic covenant, Mosaic covenant. But what we see in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy the treaty, and, 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 and I'm getting way ahead, but it's really cool. What we see in the Mosaic Covenant is that there's an if-then clause. Yeah. If yeah. my people follow me, then blessings will follow. If my people do not follow me, then cursings will follow. And that's all laid out in Deuteronomy that is, as a book, shaped like a treaty. Yeah, that's so cool. And, and that's why, and, and you know, um, well, when we, go ahead. Part of why, <clears throat> that's part of why, <clears throat> sorry, the New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the Old Covenant, we don't mean the Old Testament. We're talking about the law. The law that you're talking about in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Because there's different covenants in the Old Testament. Mm. But um, what makes the New Covenant so much better than the Old Covenant, what makes the Abrahamic co- covenant so much better than than the Old Covenant, the law, is that it's not an if-then mm-hmm. covenant. Right. It is a here is the promise, I'm going to see it done covenant. Yeah. It's unconditional versus conditional. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, you know, Bo, one of the terms that I read that I kind of like better instead of new covenant is renewed covenant because it's the Abrahamic covenant renewed. It's, it's nothing, you know, it's, this is not something God said, all right, I got, I got a new one now. You know, no, no, we're going back to the very first and what this means. Yeah, well, um, actually, that reminds me of something else that I thought was interesting when, when we're looking at the very first part of this, uh, Genesis 12, where God uh, says in verse two, you know, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In the terms in in your term of renewed covenant, I would I would that's almost the Old Testament version of the Great Commission, in a way. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah go. I've blessed you. Now be a blessing to others. So we're going to get deep in the weeds here. That's what we like. They need to call this the nerd podcast. (laughs) Um, So Abraham was told that his family would be used to bless the world. Right. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel had the 12, he had 14 sons, but you get the 12 tribes from Israel's family, from Jacob's family. It was Israel's calling to be a light to the world. Right. It was Israel's calling first to be a light to the world. Mm -hmm. And if you look in Genesis 14, I think, Israel is actually the first entity ever called God's son. Not Jesus. Israel. So here you have God's son, Israel, again, Genesis 14 or 15, that God was going to bless so that they could be a light to the world, pointing back to him. And what we see in the story of the Old Testament is that Israel failed miserably. Mm -hmm. They failed to be the light. I think go and look over in Isaiah 42 because Isaiah 42 prophesies about this great light dawning. And what Jesus ends up becoming, the true son of God, the perfect son of God, not the failed son of God in the Old Testament, not failed Israel. Jesus becomes the true Israel because he is God's son, uh, just like Israel was God's son. Mm-hmm. And the Lord used Jesus to redeem the world. Right. So it, it's one whole story. And, and again, we're getting into the fall now, but 
Jesus is what Israel couldn't be. Yeah. So Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise of Genesis 12 because Jesus is true Israel. Jesus is ultimate Israel. All right, and, and even further into the weeds, you, you, you'll see that when the, these, these covenants come to pass, that there is, uh, that there, um, Israel was a light to the world in a way because through Israel, Jesus came. But, and you said it, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. Israel was a little fulfillment. You know, it, it gives you, through, through Israel, you see Jesus, but Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. And there's a lot of things in here yeah. where you see a little fulfillment by so-and-so, but Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. Yeah, well, even going to Isaac or Jacob, or not Isaac, sorry, Jacob, Jacob. wrestling with the Lord. Yeah. Jake, Jacob's name... Am I getting ahead? No, yeah. you're not. You are getting ahead. You are <laughs> getting ahead. And before we get to his name, let's let's get right back to Abraham real okay. quick. Okay. Okay. Uh, the sacrifice of Isaac mm -hmm. is is twenty two. I think twenty two one. Is that right? Yeah. It's a hard. It's a hard, hard story. Twenty two one. Uh, I'm just going to start with the first one. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Hold on. Why is and let me skip through to the end because mm -hmm. I want to get this back because this is the way we tend to read stuff from now on. Um, the Lord says to Abraham, um, "says uh, by myself a sworn clue, you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son." That's not it. All right, but it basically says that uh, now I know. Now I know that you are faithful. Um, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, I know that you fear God. Mm -hmm. So was this a test for Abraham? Was this was God testing him to see if he was going to be yeah. the man that he thought he was? Yeah. Uh, I think you and I both know that's not the case. Yeah. But explain how that comes about. So when I read this story, and by the way, I think this is one of the hardest stories to read in the Bible because how could a holy God ask a father to sacrifice his son. Mm. Even if that holy God had a plan mm -hmm. to uh, send a substitute mm -hmm. and, and, and God knew that all along, Abraham didn't. Right. And we don't really know how, um, I, how old Isaac was at this point. Yeah. Some scholars think that Isaac willingly climbed up on the altar. Yeah. We're not talking about a two, three-year-old boy. Oh, no, he's talking. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so someone who could easily have resisted well, his father. He run carried from the his wood father. up the yeah. mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 some little boy. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah. there's so many layers to this. You know, and, and, and I think the answer to your question, Mark, is actually in Hebrews. Because Hebrews, when, when talking about this, this, um, this willing sacrifice, uh, what Hebrews paints a picture of is Abraham had faith in God, even knowing that if Isaac... Uh, was going to lose his life, mm -hmm. God could resurrect him. So it says that Abraham reasoned yes. that God could raise him from the dead. Mm, that, yeah. That's the more appropriate scriptural yeah. <laughs> exact word by word line. Uh, so I think Abraham had this tremendous amount of faith as he was going up to the mountain. But I think there's a, there's a few other things going on here. So I think it is about Abraham's faith. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that another thing that's going on here is that it's a tremendous amount of foreshadowing mm. when it comes to um, the the presence uh, or the, the presence of Christ on the cross. Uh, 
it, willingly willingly going up on on the mountain, willingly laying his life down. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, he's told to sacrifice Isaac, who was Abraham's only son. There's a tremendous amount of foreshadowing there. And the last thing, and this to me is one of the coolest things I think that this uh, testifies to, is um, that uh, in this time period, pagan religions <laughs> called their people to sacrifice their children. Right. And if Abraham had sacrificed Isaac, then following Yahweh would have looked like another polytheistic religion. Mm-hmm. But because Abraham did not sacrifice Isaac, um, I think it was God's way of saying, we don't do that. Yeah, We're going to be holier than that. We're going to be purer than that. Um, so I actually think this was another example of God calling his people to step above um, what it meant to follow an unholy God. Yeah. So, and, and, and by the way, I got to go get a juice box. <laughs> the other thing that I want to add, and Bo, you and I talked about this, was the, um, the test wasn't for God's benefit. The test was for Abraham's benefit. Right. Yeah. You know, you have, you know, it, it's It's easy. not that God didn't know what was going to happen. Right. It's that God wants us to grow. Yeah. In relationship with him and, and just in personal growth. Like he wants to strengthen our faith. He wants to, um, and so, and so he provides an opportunity for that to happen and Abraham grows and so and, does and, Isaac. Yeah. And faith without obedience is useless. Yeah, yeah. It, there's nothing there. It, it's it has no it has no teeth, and 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 that's what God's giving Abraham. God's giving Abraham this opportunity to to and, step out in faith, and then when he does, God shows up, and right. then God reaffirms his covenant. Right, right. So yeah. you get to see that by you know when we're faithful with God. And when we're obedient and when we step out in faith and trust him and rely on him completely, mm-hmm. then, you know, that's when God shows up and that's when God reaffirms the things he's doing in your life. Yeah. And, and oh, I don't know that obedience is any different from anything else in life in, in, in the way that you know, practice makes perfect, that yeah. old adage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just, um, well, my, daughter's, scripture- my daughter's learning to read right now. She's starting kindergarten. And she, um, if she will try, she can do it. You know, it's really short words right now and stuff with a lot of repeating. Right. But she's, she's learning. And the more she does it, the, the better she's going to get, right? And but right now it's really hard. Right now, it's really hard for her because she's never done this before, and it's a lot of new things. Mm-hmm. But the more she practices, the more she she tries, even though it's difficult right now, the easier and easier it's going to be. And I think obedience is is very much the same in a lot of ways. Well, like without a doubt, the scripture says you've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to give you more. Right. You know exactly. Y- you have to have that practice. And and just on a side note that has absolutely nothing to do with this, but I'm going to say it because it's in in my heart now. It is, you know, there are things that everybody struggles with in life. Uh huh. And there are things that are monsters that, you know, we cry out to God, God, take us away, God, take us away, you know, help me, you know, take care of this. 
and we're still stuck with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. Yeah. It, this is a long road. You know, get what you can get. Do what you can do. Be faithful where you can be faithful and, and grow that maturity and obedience and everything. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I have no I, idea where we're going after this. He I, just left. I would like to... Uh, yeah, I don't know where he went, but I would like to read chapter 22 and just, I think some a lot of this, man, it's just, just take the cream off the top of ways that this points to Jesus because I think it's pretty uh, easy to pick up on these things. Yes, yeah, very uh, much if so. You, if you just, uh, you know, are, it. pay attention. So, right, so um, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son. I've heard that before. Yeah, I think I've heard that before too. <laughs> I've heard right? that phrase somewhere. <laughs> uh, maybe John three sixteen <laughs> might come to mind. Yeah. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there uh, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Do, do you know, um, <laughs> this is not maybe cream off the top, but do you know where Moriah is? I do. You want to tell them where Mariah is? Well, now I've heard two. Th- I've read two things. Uh, I've read okay. two things, but the, the one that seems to be the most popular is Mariah is where the temple was built. Is that right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's where. Well, I, yeah, it's in the area where Jerusalem would be. Yeah, right. Yeah. So so it's. I think I've heard also it could possibly even be the place where the Hill of the Skull, but it's either there or the temple, I I think is what I've read before. Yeah, I'd read the Anyway, it's where the sacrifices would be made. Yeah. yeah. So that's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is is the first sacrifice, which which points out to the ultimate sacrifice. Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. All right, go ahead. Um, Yes, sacrifice him there, a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He, t- he, took, him, uh, to, he, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, how many people, how many were, people crucified? were crucified? <laughs> There's three of them, yeah. right? Um, uh, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering... Um, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now, now, if you, if you go, well, we already mentioned it. In Hebrews, it says that Abraham reasoned that Isaac, God could raise yeah. Isaac from the dead. And in a sense, God did raise him from exactly. the dead. Um, so here you've got... It Twice. Took, it took three days. Twice, actually. Yeah. But you're going to say the first one was, right? With Isaac, oh, go ahead. Two different times. His birth, the the fact that you know he was he was born to uh, Sarah in old age and mm-hmm. was promised to Sarah. Yeah. And here comes here comes because this her, promise. Her of womb I- was dead. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So here comes Isaac. So there's the first time he brings him in. Right. And then the second time would be on the the sacrifice that's never made. Yeah. So my point is though that three days passed yeah. before his resurrection. So yeah. I mean Abraham essentially on day one had already killed him. Right. You know what I'm saying? He yeah. already made up his mind, I'm going to go through with this. Um, and three days later, he gets him back. So that's pretty cool. Um, uh, where were we here? Uh, da, 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 da. On the third day, he uh, looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then 
we will come back to you. Isn't it so interesting that he says, we will come back to you? Yeah. Like he, he already knows that they're, that God is totally capable yep. of giving him his son back. Yep. Uh, right there. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. You know, it's kind of like somebody carrying a cross. Kind of like somebody <laughs> carrying a cross, right? <laughs> Jesus carried the wooden cross on his back. Isaac carries the wood uh, up the mountain. Um, and Abraham himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, or said, yeah, said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, that's more profound than Isaac probably even knows, right? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Jesus being the lamb of God. Even if Isaac's clueless, even if Isaac's clueless, it's a great, you know. Yeah. It's a great statement. And, and, And you get to, you know, and this is one of the primary, you know, reasons that John refers to Jesus as the lamb, the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. You know, it, it, it all comes back to this. Yeah. Uh, verse eight, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. That right there, man. Yeah. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I think that is maybe even more prophetic than Abraham knows that God's going to provide the true sacrifice, the true lamb. Yes. Um, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar uh, on top of the wood. Not only did he put him up there, but he bound him. Just like Jesus would be bound right. to the to the wood on, on the, of the cross. Yep. Um, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called out to to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Um, Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. Um, so often... Prophecy can be broken up into the short term and the long term, and I think you know there there you have it. <laughs> yeah. God did provide mm-hmm. uh, this ram, but it wasn't the 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 truest lamb of God, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. Um, so uh, there's yeah, there's just a lot a lot in there that you can just pull right off the top. And man, this is just pointing us. It's the story of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to see as we continue to move through the Old Testament. We're just going to see the story of Jesus play out in in different ways over and over again. It's exactly. all pointing. It's all pointing to him. It, it is. It, you're exactly right. It's pointing to Jesus, and it's also showing us that God is active in His people mm-hmm. to fulfill His promise. God doesn't need us. Mm-hmm. God doesn't need us to accomplish to accomplish what He wants to accomplish, but He's blessing us by giving mm-hmm. us that opportunity, yeah, yeah. and and for us to and for us to be involved in that, we're we're required to be faithful. We're required to walk it out. Yeah, we're required to take those steps that are absolutely mind blowing and fearful. Mm-hmm. But when you do, wow, the the things you get to see and the things you get to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty cool. 
All yeah. right. And, uh, then, and then just to finish it up there, he, he even reaffirms his previous covenant oh, from yeah, chapter yeah, 15, yeah. Um, where he says in 16, uh, I, he says, I, God says, or the angel of the Lord um, says that I swear by myself. Sorry, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I am of the the thought that most times when the Old Testament says the angel of the Lord, mm-hmm. we have a pre-incarnate Jesus. Oh, um, here we go. And the, <laughs> here he, he go. shows up. He's going to show up quite here a few times. He's a pretty good wrestler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sure is. Yes, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I, I, I agree without a doubt there are times. But also, and I said this uh, the other night mm-hmm. in, in our study, that angel of the Lord also in, in this culture, mm-hmm. if you're an emissary for a king, then you are to be treated as that king would be treated. Mm-hmm. Any offense you make to that emissary, you're making to that king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do believe without a doubt that there are appearances of uh, a pre-incarnate, is that right? Yeah. Pre-incarnate Christ, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, I'm not going to say that every one of them. Yeah, but, I'm not but, saying every oh, one yeah, of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I'm just, I, say, I think there are yeah. several, I think this is, this is one of those instances uh, because he says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, <laughs> because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I mean, this is just a rehash of chapter yeah. 15. Yeah. But he swears by who? By himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, a one, it's a one-sided promise. Yeah. Which is great because, once again, I mean, you get into that whole idea that, you know, it, it's, we're saved by faith and not by works. You know, God made sure that we were clear that his promise yeah. did not rely on us. Thank you, God. Yeah, that your and, promise doesn't mm-hmm. rely and on this me. This does say because you did this, and what I just read. Yeah. But I don't think it's it's contingent on because he did this. I think because he did this, God is reminding him now. I'm going to reaffirm. My, yeah, I'm going to reaffirm because you did this. I, I'm going to once again. I'm even going to. I'm going to sit here right here and tell you that this is going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree. So yes, uh, I want to. I want to get to this because we're almost out of time, and I want to get to this because it's so important. Yes, I know exactly what Jacob's name means. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob's story uh, is uh, so amazing. Do you know what Jacob's name means? I do know what Jacob's name means. Jacob's name or Israel? I Jacob. Yeah, I know what Jacob's Jacob. name means. But Jacob's name would be changed to Israel. Yes. Yes. But do you know what Jacob's name meant? Not right off the top of my head. Good, because that's what you asked me a while ago. Jacob's, it means heel holder. Heel catcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah, also, of Jacob it's, and Esau. it's also, it's also, uh, there's, there's another one that goes with it. Trickster. Yeah. Jacob is Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's kind of Loki, is. dude. He kind of is. This is what? 32? Chapter 32? Yeah. The, the rest, the, the wrestling? Yeah, the wrestling. Um, and, and before, while you get there, I just want to say, just so we're clear, Jacob tricks Esau out of his birthright. But let's be clear about one thing. Esau was lazy. He gave it up for some food. Well, it gets, And evidently it, he wasn't a good hunter because he could have got his own food. And it gets to the core of, I think, the real problem with Esau is, did he have the character? Did he have the heart that would 
did he have the heart? Did he have the character that put God first? Bingo, and that would be necessarily be necessarily a part of the bloodline of Christ. But even that's not yeah. necessarily correct because God took people much more messed up than he saw. Well, and, and, made and we're going to see, and we're going to see in the lower story, mm-hmm. we're going to see what it looks like when you put God first. <laughs> And what it looks like when you don't. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see people who put God first. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see people who don't. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see people do both. You yeah. know, Abraham right here in, in the Abraham Isaac story definitely put God first. You know, in the Ishmael Sarah section, he put himself first. You know, there, so we're going to see. And once again, it goes right back to that covenant. Thank God that we're not responsible for any of this. But we get where Jacob wrestles with an angel of the Lord. Well, one of my, he's, one of my he's favorite on his way stories home, in scripture. Right? You know, he's, he's, on, he's, yeah, on, his he's on his way back his, home yeah. with his whole, his family, all his possessions. Scared to death. He's scared to death already. <laughs> and then he hears what? That Esau's on his way out <laughs> to to meet him with with all of his men. Yeah. Like, oh crap. Like yeah. this is bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he knows that his brother's bigger and stronger than him. And, uh, and, and, and he's got to cross a river. He's got, and he doesn't want to cross the river all at once, so he splits up his camp. He doesn't well, know what he's doing. He's scared to death. They're at the river Jabok. You know what Jabok means? Uh, struggle. Struggle. It yeah. means struggle. Isn't that appropriate? Because yeah, <laughs> he's at this he's at this uh, metaphorical crossroads. It's actually a river, but uh, that he doesn't really want to go across. Yeah. He's got a struggle right there. Do I really want to go over there and meet Esau, or do I want to turn back? Well, and I think he knew what he was doing to a degree. I think he was extremely worried. But I think he knew what he was doing and the fact that he split them up in case one group got killed. A little bit at a time. Yeah, if yeah. in that case, if one group got killed, then there would still be part of part of the other group left behind. And he keeps sending, you know, he keeps sending messengers. Yeah. You know, he just keeps sending these guys. Yeah. Because he's waiting for one of them to come well, back and go, they're all dead. <laughs> That's what he's waiting for. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Well, and like, I think, it's, too, he, he, has, he probably hopes that Esau will be more forgiving of people he doesn't know than of Jacob himself, <laughs> yeah, too, you know? I can see that. Like, maybe soften the blow a little bit. I'll send these other people so, across first. So, let's get into this Jacob wrestles with God, okay? So, um, it is, are you of the belief that this is a uh, pre-incarnate Jesus Christ? I am, especially okay. especially this story. Yeah, this story. I, I am, too, and 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 I, I know you are. And, and I want to tell you, the there's probably three or four things that make me think that. Okay. First off, you have an appearance um, of a angel of the Lord. Let me see. Uh, a man A man wrestled with him. So we know that this is a man, okay? And um, the man later on says, your name should no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have Striving is what I've got. I wrestled with God and with men. Okay. Well, there's only one person that I'm aware of that is both God and man, and that would be Jesus Christ. So I think that's where, A, you see, you know, a big neon flashing sign that says this is, the, this is pre-incarnate. The other thing where, and this is just me, is uh, he's, Jacob says, I've seen God face to face. And yet my life has been delivered. We know that scripture says no one has seen God face to face, but all kinds of people have seen Jesus, who mm-hmm. is God. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is um, Jacob says, Give me your name. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so names are, in this culture, mm-hmm. if you have someone's name, you have their power. Yeah. All right? So if you want someone's name, you're going to give them your power. And coincidentally, we have someone here who has given a name. Mm-hmm. That's how much power this God man had. And what does he say when he says, uh, Jacob says, please tell me your name. What is, what is the response? The response is, why is it that you asked my name? How many times did Jesus answer a question outright when it was given to him? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> he always either answered with a question or a parable or whatever. Once again, you get to saying, this is the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. All right, do you have any others? Yeah, so one of my favorite books is called Leading with a Limp. It's written by a gentleman named Dan Allender. And uh, Allender is, is one of the world's foremost uh, Christian psychologists and therapists. And I had the opportunity to, stare, to uh, share a stage one time with, with Dr. Allender. He got 45 minutes and I got two minutes. Um, but it was so unique because I was on stage with him as he gave the first sermon that would be later turned into this book, Leading with the Limp. And it's about the story of Jacob. And what he points out is that all good leaders walk with the limp because all good leaders at some point in their life will wrestle with God mm. to where the wrestling is so intense, the, the crucible is so intense that there is a uh, holy woundedness to where you see God, you wrestle with God, you understand God, but you, you leave that battle. It's a healthy battle. It's a proper battle. It's a, it's a right battle, just like Jacob had. You leave that battle with that limp, and that limp constantly reminds you that you wrestle with God, and yet God was good. Yeah. Because one of the things that we see is when Jacob said, please tell me your name, he replied, why do you ask my name? And then it, then scripture turns it around and says, but then he blessed him there. Yeah. And again, if you're at church with us on Sundays, a lot of times I close the service out with the numbers blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Well, what was going on here? We see that he was face to face. I saw God face to face. So Jacob's wrestling with God here is, is this is a literal example of salvation because to a Jew salvation meant the face of God mm, so yeah. and we have a tendency to think salvation is something easy we pray a prayer God redeems us that's great <laughs> salvation is not easy easy salvation's hard the cross was hard and and I think if any of us can recall or go back and visit our time of salvation our time of giving our life to Christ there was a wrestling that took place there was a wrestling where we had to wrestle with and try to understand Jesus then you go over to Philippians 2:11 where it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling that doesn't mean that that you know that doesn't mean that your salvation your your redemption your eternal security is is up for grabs i think what it means is that this idea of being blessed by God, of experiencing his salvation is something that we constantly have to wrestle with, just like Jacob wrestled with God because working for God, living for God, loving oh like God, God it's, it's extremely hard. Yes. And, and if we're walking with the Lord, if we're loving like Jesus wants us to love, if, we're, if we are, in the words of Paul, pouring our life out like a drink offering, that's not an easy assignment to sign right. up for. Right. So we are going to walk with the limp. We are going to lead with the limp because being face-to-face with God, even if that is where we get salvation, even if that is where we get blessing, means struggle. So if, if I meet a Christian and 
they do not talk about their struggle. They do not talk about how they have have had to ask God hard questions in dark moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not questioning their salvation because who am I to question that? Right. But I wonder, are they missing out on the beauty of wrestling with God, of seeing him face to face as Jacob did? And a lot of times we resist that because we don't want the limp. Right. But right. the limp is what God gives us so that others are able to see that we've been with him face to face. Yeah. I, that's right on target. I, I mean, completely on target. Um, and and I, do, I do believe that as Christians, we don't talk about the wrestling anywhere near what we should. No, we don't. Because, um, and why, I don't know. Part of it's cultural. Um, but I think being vulnerable in appropriate ways is one of the greatest tools of the gospel that Christians could use in this world. Well, not only that, but it's also, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sell somebody a bad bill of goods, you know? Yeah. I want them to know what they're getting into. You know, when you decide to follow Jesus, no, you know, Jesus makes it really clear you're not going to be liked. You know, the world's not going to like you. They Look what they did to me. If they do this to me, what do you think they're going to do to you? Well, and Jesus wasn't crucified and punished for being a knucklehead. He was crucified no. and punished because he loved yeah. and because he sacrificed exactly. and because he served. So Same things that we're called to do. So that means that if we are being ridiculed, if we are being made fun of, if we are... Um, if we are experiencing any type of trials, temptations, yeah, I don't want to use the word persecution because I think we overuse no, that word. I'd say trials, temptations, yeah. inconveniences. Hopefully, it's because we are trying to live in love like Christ. Yeah, and and it's almost. I'll say this, and I'll be done. But it's almost like C.S. Lewis's portrayal of heaven and the Great Divorce. Did I take it from you? No, it's just <laughs> I just want to make one broadcast where we don't quote C.S. Lewis. <laughs> It's almost like C.S. Lewis's portrayal of heaven and the great divorce. The ground in heaven is so tender that it takes the people a while to get used to. Mm. And that's the raw power of love Mm. is when we experience real love, it's one of the most freakish, frightening things we can experience because of how powerful it is and how real it is and how radical it is. Mm. I'm done. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think I think that's a good spot to end. Well, I want to talk about this name change real quick. Go ahead. Okay. We can because, change Bo's name. What would we change it to? Uh, uh that's pretty uh, good. <laughs> Juice box. Uh, all right, go. Well, um, we have. We, okay, so we talked about his name earlier. It means he'll uh, catch your trickster. He, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've I've seen deceiver thrown in there too. Yeah. Um, I just like trickster. So so, you know he's done a lot of deceiving like his whole oh, life. Yeah. Like his name makes a lot of sense. It it kind of reflects what we see as his the the underlying character of who Jacob yeah. is in a lot of ways. Um, and then he has you know his his story is a story of growth the whole way through. Mm-hmm. But we have this. Um, this moment here at the River Jabbok, and and where where God changes His name, and I think that's so important to, for us to know. It gives us hope today. I mean, you want to talk about the upper story, lower story? How does this apply to me right now? Where's the life in this verse? Here it is: is that God 
takes this person who is known as the heel holder, the cheat, the deceiver, the hustler, right? And he says, you're not going to be known by that name anymore. You're going to be known by a new name. Yeah. And he gives him a new name. He gives him a new character. Yep. And, and I love that because looking ahead in the New Testament at 1 Corinthians um, 6, where it says, um, uh, starting in, in verse 9, do you... Do not be deceived, neither to sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. Mm -hmm. That is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And we talked last week in Genesis Three, that God clothed Adam and Eve with better clothes than they can make for themselves and how the New Testament says that we have now put on, clothed mm. ourselves with Christ. And not just that, but we've taken on his name. We've yep. been given a new name. Yep. And there is so much hope today in that. Gotta preach, baby. Well, what happens in Revelation? A new name will be placed on our foreheads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's just a lot here. Yeah. A lot here. Yeah. All right, bro. Close us up. Well, we thank you for joining us, for sharing our journey. Uh, we hope that you'll continue to, to, to meet with us every week. Um, we have our podcast available at anchor.fm forward slash sharing our journey. This has been Dr. Paul Gibson, the irreverent Mark Young, and my name is Bo Harris. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for sharing our journey. If you have a Bible question, please send it to mark at harrodsburgbaptist.org and we'll try to answer it in the future. If you'd like to join us for worship, we come together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Harrodsburg Baptist Church, 312 South Main Street, Harrodsburg, Kentucky. For more information, follow us on social at HBC Harrodsburg or visit harrodsburgbaptist.org As you go, we pray that you will share your journey toward Jesus with others. May the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.